everybody and welcome to episode number 137 of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike, where we will be discussing the fifth episode of season six of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode The Other Thing. Uh, before we get on to that, that though, Hannah, let me ask you this. How are you tonight? I'm well. I am very pleased that it's a bit cooler today. Um, yes, the humidity has been a bitch it of has. late. Um, but, you know, it's summer in New Zealand, so um, can't really complain. Um, Sounds like it should be a uh, Sinatra-esque song, doesn't it? It's uh, it's summer in New Zealand. Yes. Got a vibe. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, I am also, I agree with you. I have, I'm a, uh, I'm very cold-blooded. Uh, not in a murderous way, in <laughs> no, a literal me. way. That's me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's you. No, no, but that's dark hearted. <laughs> Cold dark heart. Yes, it's me. Um, so I am also relieved to uh, not be uh, sweating balls, as I believe the young people say these days. Uh, that is quite a relief. And I'm also relieved to be uh, watching some Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this Indeed, evening. it feels like a while since we've done one. It does. Um, and uh, it's, it's, we're still in the, uh, the Christmas holidays, uh, both from the perspective of the kids, but also I'm not back at work for another few days as well. So we're well, still in that I, weird... I'm working. Yeah. Yeah. So but, but, you are, but you're still in holiday mode. I'm no, very uh, much but not. We've, got, we've still got the kids at home. Uh, New Zealand hasn't really fully got back to post-Christmas no. full power yet. So New Zealand, basically Christmas in December, January time in New Zealand is the main break from school. It's um, a summer holidays. Yeah. It's the six-week break from school for kids. Um, obviously Christmas, New Year's, and it's summer. People tend to take their main holiday now. So, you know, if, you, if for instance, you wrap up work the week before Christmas, so, I don't know, the 19th or 20th of December, and you get through Christmas and then you go away with your family and you take two or three weeks camping or... Um, you know, going off to do bits and pieces and enjoy the sunshine with your family, then generally people don't get back to work until mid to late January. So you get to a point where all of January is kind of a write-off. Yeah, because even if you're working, people that colleagues or stakeholders are still off as well. So it's a weird time. Of the year. The difference for me is I work for a British company. Yeah. So they came back to work just after New Year's, like normal. Um, and I'm straight into it. So the kids are off, the sun's shining outside, and and I'm having to work, which I am definitely not moaning about. It's absolutely fine. That's that is the way my work is. It's a challenge organizing you know, keeping kids busy and also making the most of, of the summer because it's a long time yeah, coming. It's a, it's a definite juggle, isn't it? But get back to what led us on these tangents. It's definitely more comfortable here. Oh, yeah, it's than... it's raining today. So I have my Udi on. I have a cup of tea. I, am, I fell asleep in our son's bed, putting him to bed because it is so... Cool and snuggly tonight. <laughs> yes. 
So as usual, when we're podcasting, the adrenaline is coursing through oh, yeah, Hannah's yeah. veins. I shall be and, uh, yawning, I'm no, sure. No, no, I'm sure you will get through like a true pro. We are back and we are talking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, a quick reminder that we appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. And also, please do feel free to leave comments on our YouTube channel as well. And you can like and subscribe and do all the usual youtube things. And also, please uh, do... Give us positive reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and check out our Instagram and our Twitter social media accounts where in both cases we are at Rewatch Proj. That's Rewatch P-R-O-J. And also check out our friend shows, namely Chinstroker vs. Punter, Entertainment Landfill, His Film, Her Movie, Film Bastards, The Good, The Bad and The Odd and Talk Without Rhythm podcast. So um, before we get into the episode proper, Hannah, any feedback or comments or any of that? Good stuff. Indeed. Uh, right. So these are all on our last episode, uh, which was Code Yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Dub says, for me, Code Yellow is an episode that walks a fine line between good and great. And it's Jeff Ward's performance as tech genius Dick Shaw and his radiant humanity that pushes it over the line into great territory. One line slash moment in the episode that I find very interesting is the one where Mac pretty much confirms to May and we, the audience, that Simmons forbade him from informing anyone outside of the inner circle, non-shield personnel that Fitz had died. That feels very real to me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, and also because it's almost as though she hasn't accepted that he's died because there's this... There's a of version of them out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, the thing about Diggs is a really good point. I, I didn't, it didn't, it kind of occurred to me, but I didn't really articulate it. Is you know, I said that one of my sort of slight criticisms of the last episode was a lot of the influencer culture stuff that they do felt a little broad and a little bit on the nose. Mm. But I think that one of the things that made it work was Jeff Ward. Mm. I think that he elevated some of that for his sheer likability because a character like that could just end up being who's the character in Parks and Rec the guy's got the awful sister who works for for who always works with um John Ralphio yeah he could basically just be that character like a real and in the case of Parks and Rec it's it's a deliberate thing but a real um fingernails on a chalkboard character Mm. but I think that there's because Jeff Ward brings so much kind of wide-eyed, childish likability to the character. Mm. Um, it makes you go with him. And I think that's that's a trickier thing to pull off than you'd think. And I think that Jeff Ward, like all good performers, makes you take for granted that fact and makes it seem really easy. But yeah. I think that he um, he gets you know, he gets that a lot of that stuff over the line. Mm, 100%. Uh, thank you, Jack, for your... Thank you, Jack, yes. Um, feedback Silver Surfer uh, says wasn't a fan of the yo-yo slash fling at all took too much time away from developing other characters in my opinion I did love Framework Daisy of course um, I sorry before you go on on that because I'll forget otherwise I kind of agree but it's weird I see I feel like that relationship was kind of a plot mechanic more than an actual relationship yeah but I do like the fact that they made him likable because it would have been very easy 
Yeah. For them not if to. If he was a bit of a douche. But that would make Yo-Yo seem stupid almost. Like, yeah. you'd be like, well, why are you going to hear more? You know, but I think that that was done well. Um, and I think the actor who was in the role was fine. Yeah. With, um, with what he was given. But, um, but what I do kind of agree on is I think that a lot of the secondary characters like Davis and, oh, what's her name? Piper. Piper are coming into their own. And I almost feel like maybe if they'd spent, and I guess this is what he's saying, a little bit less time on that, they could maybe have given them even more to do. Because yeah. they've had some fun stuff, like you've had Davis being, you know, tripping out and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like what tends to happen is those two characters kind of come as a double act. Mm. Like they've really got no interior life of their own as characters outside of their relationship. And what it reminds me of a, l- a lot is... Remember in Aliens, is it Ramirez, the the Latino tough chick character? Mm. And the guy, the other Marine, who they sort of, sort of banters with, and they give each other shit, but at the end, they end up dying together, and there's a kind of moment where, you know, they let off the grenade to blow themselves up to kill the aliens, and they kind of embrace. I really feel like those Davis and Piper are eliciting that relationship. I yeah. feel like but I think that I almost feel like those actors have earned enough good grace to get a little bit more. Having said that, I can't remember that much of the details of their characters moving forward, so maybe they do, you know? Um, okay, he goes on to say, uh, Dick breaking the fourth wall always cracks me up. Yeah, he looks at the camera, doesn't he? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, thank you, as always, Silver Surfer. Yes, we appreciate you guys. You are our bread and butter of feedback. It's uh, it's wonderful. So uh, everyone else, get off your turkey-filled asses, <laughs> and uh, um, hopefully we'll, um, you know, you guys will binge these episodes over yeah. the, uh, the coming weeks. Mark, it must be time for a wee voicemail from you. Yes, that's a good point. Um, actually. And also, Mark, write your season two X Files book. Yeah, do because I was, what I was re- what I was really pulling the curtain back a little bit. Hannah and I had been continuing to watch the X Files, but during season one, we'd watch an episode or two in an evening, and then in bed, <laughs> where the magic happens. To um, we, um, I would read. I, 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 I would read the the, <laughs> the journal entries. For those episodes, because they're quite short. You yeah. know, you can just read them in like sort of 10, 10 minutes, five or 10 minutes. Um, and I really miss that. It's, it was part of my X-Files watching experience, but uh, but the podcast is there, so well, check that out. Um, also, uh, Jace from Chester, you know, must yeah. be time for a, a, another email or a voice. Have you actually, I mean, we're, we're, we're running a little short, so have you got a quick X-Files update? We're, we're I'm not for sure, but we're about six or seven episodes into season two. Uh, I'm very much enjoying it. Um, Really liking the whole Scully abduction uh, kind of the aftermath, I suppose, of that. Um, uh, Yeah, it it just, it, it, it's coming to more of a territory that I'm comfortable with now. What do you mean? Where it's less about uh, things like worrying about what's going to scare me and I'm more invested in the underlying story. Well, the show is becoming more about the intrigue than Mm. than the spooky stuff, I think. Yeah, Um, and and I'm really enjoying that. Um, And and, uh, um, 
Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny really are such a great double act. We're starting to see the larger ensemble come into it as well, like with Skinner mm. and Vilone Gunman and Krychek and all of those sort of characters. Yeah. So it's quite nice that they... Because that was the thing, is, is that when we were watching the first season, I was like, where is everyone? Yeah. It would be almost like a season one of Buffy was just Buffy and Giles. Right. You know, whereas like the X-Files, people talk about Mulder and Scully, but it's an ensemble show. It's like seven or eight key characters who, most of whom have been introduced now, but they're still only popping up every few episodes. Now and again. Um, but uh, it's really weird because I've never, like I said, I've never watched it properly before. And... Um, yeah, I was surprised at how, even this early in season two, how dense the sort of mythology is becoming. You know? I'm still, I still want to know what it is that I've said that I've already called. But yeah, it's, I, th- it's, I don't think it's until season four. Oh, God, it's ages um, away. Although it's, it's difficult. It's, the X-Files is difficult, though, because it's so mercurial. It's one of those things where you've predicted it, and when it happens, you'll see it. You'll be like, oh, yeah. But then... If, Half a season later, you're like, or oh, was it? <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's a bit of that. It's kind of like it's true at the time. Right. It's, uh, it's a tricky one. But uh, but yeah, so please do reach out to us and feedback. Um, do you want to give us the tale of the tape, Anna? Tell us who um, are the key creatives uh, of this episode and maybe give us a quick synopsis. Uh, okay, so this episode aired on the 14th of June, 2019. The synopsis says, Sarge has May, Altara has Daisy, Enoch and Simmons, and now there are two planets that need saving. Oh, maybe a split episode. It is directed by Lou Diamond Phillips. Hey. Younger. La la bamba. Uh, and written by George Kitson. There we go. All right, well, we're going to hit pause. We are going to watch said episode, and then we'll come back and we will... React to riff on and review. So we will see you shortly. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome to Film Bastards, a podcast where three friends, two of them married and two of them podcasting life partners, chat everything from new releases, trailers, news, and an eclectic mix of other film goodies over many, many, many tangents. You can find them by searching your podcast provider or check them out on Twitter and Instagram by searching Film Bastards. You never know, you might like it. And if you don't, well, we don't really give a f. And we're back. So we've just finished watching the fifth episode of season six of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The episode title for this one is The Other Thing. Hannah, what did you think? I'm very excited that the majority of the team are back together. I knew it. The moment when they said near the end, when you heard the crackling radio and Zeph was coming back, I was just like, oh, Harry Harry and Ron are going to make up, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, it's always nice when they find each other again and, you know, uh, in each other's lives again. They're just a great ensemble. Yeah. Um, So I'm... I'm excited to watch uh, what happens from here forward. Um, I really enjoyed the episode. I really loved uh, the dynamic between Sarge and May. Yeah. Um, I think um, Clark Gregg plays the differences enough to um, 
yeah to 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 create a new character um yes. which is it it's it's a really hard thing to do and um something that I really love about fringe as well so you know there were a couple of fringy moments in this episode yeah. actually I'll, I'll be careful about the level of specificity I get into them because some of them are spoilers for fringe but mm. it does feel the chronicons mm. and yeah. their role is a very similar science fiction conceit to something that's in Fringe. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, just uh, I thought um, all the performances were really great. I'm I'm loving watching Yo-Yo kind of um, push back at Mac. Um, back at Mac. Have a, have a Mac attack. Yeah. <laughs> um, to try and get him in the sack. Just <laughs> push him back at Mac. He needs to change his tack. <laughs> <laughs> to get her in the sack. <laughs> Come on, Hannah, let's bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, now she's without a fella Keller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think because in the latter half of season five, Yo-Yo spent a lot of time just being terrified and... Defensive Very defensive and also very um, tearful and despondent and... Well, she got horribly O'Brien, didn't she? Oh, she did, For uh, the longest time. Um, So to see her kind of get a bit of a mojo back is... Good. There goes Mojo. Yeah. <laughs> okay, like <no>. a mofo. <laughs> uh, uh, um, but, it, like, it is really nice to see her kind of standing up for herself and and sort of saying to Mac, you know, come on. You can't live it both ways. What are you expecting from me? Shit or get off the pot. Basically, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean... Um, he might not be as stellar as her fellow guy. <laughs> You're just trying to get me to split my hair out. Yeah. But stop being yellow <laughs> and speak your feelings. Uh, I really like this episode, actually. Yeah. I think it, it's really funny as well because I think the, the strengths and shortcomings is the wrong word, but I'll, I'll get to what I mean by that in a moment. Of this are really indicative of what the show does well and why it's different because in some ways... This is a really important episode. We probably get more information mm. uh, in this episode than we do in any episode so far this season. So it's a very important episode in the way that we learn a lot about what these creatures are. We learn a lot about Sarge's motivation. Uh, we get a lot of new stuff in space with all the stuff that's going on with Fitz and the Chronicons and the Chronicons planet. I mean, there's, a, there's enough exposition in this episode to fuel several episodes worth. Mm. Um it but is the, exposition. But but the thing that's interesting is that what what it makes you do though is look forward to the character stuff that you're gonna get in the next episode. Oh, yeah. Whereas most shows, you kind of wade your, your way through the character stuff to get to the it's almost the opposite of the JJ Abrams what's in the box mm. thing where or that you know, the modern TV Netflix kind of clickbait storytelling hmm. in the way that the actual mystery or information is probably the least interesting part. It's it's a weird, it's like the, that's 
fueling the show to keep things moving so you can get to the real good stuff, which is the character stuff. Whereas a lot, a lot of shows are the opposite of that. And I think it's interesting that. But at the same time, I really like this episode because I, I liked... I like the fact that we are actually getting answers and that we are starting to actually get a clear idea about what's going on. I think that if they'd have, if we'd have got to the end of this episode and not being any clearer about what was going on with Sarge, and obviously his similarity to Coulson is still uh, a question mark, mm. but I think that if we got to the end of this episode without a bit more stuff, some clarity, it would have started to feel a little bit like, okay, guys, come on. Mm. You know, let's let's move it along. He's sort of stretching out piece the chewing gum there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the real strengths of this episode were the fact that after a couple of episodes that were ping ponging, you know, where we'd have one episode in space, one episode mm. with the team on the ground, I think that this episode was enriched by having essentially everyone in it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and. Uh, it's really the first time this season that we've got this amount of the ensemble. And again, to echo what you were saying, it's always nice to get have a bit of a reunion. In, Very uh, much so. And, so. you know, it, it's sort of good to remind the, the you know, audience that Daisy's got no idea that there's a Coulson doppelganger running yeah, around. Yeah, and place. that happens a few times in the show when people are off and they come back. And they're like, what the fuck? And you yeah. and the audience are like, oh, yeah. They don't know. Which is a, a great dramatic device as well. Because not only is it just you know good that the show actually acknowledges that uh, and doesn't just do that off screen, which a lot of shows would. You know, you just as- assume that they'd had that conversation with them mm. between the episodes or something like that. But it also means that you've got a character who can be responding to... The events well, of the episode they differently because the they're objective. Well, they can ask the questions the audience are asking. Yeah, Who is it, that person? Where are they from? What are they doing? There's a useful narrative kind of previously on Agents of Shield yeah. strength to it, but also it's we've talked a lot about how a lot of Agents of Shield is about perspective and about how walking in other people's shoes. So often, what it can do is it can provide a really useful dramatic counterpoint where you've got a character who hasn't lived the events and he's just kind of reading the Wikipedia page of what had happened. Mm. And they might be responding differently because they're more emotionally uh, disengaged from the events. They're looking at it purely from an informational perspective. Yeah. You know, so, and I'm not saying that's what they do here. I, I Frankly, I can't remember. But it gives the writers an opportunity to engineer some interpersonal conflict if they want to go that route. You know, yeah. so I think that's a useful one. Uh, and also, you know, credit to Lou Diamond Phillips. I thought this was a really well-directed episode. Oh, um, yeah. I, I thought, thought it great. looked really good. I thought that the – we talk about how there's been a lot of – and I think this has been necessitated by the fact that the show – they've reduced the scale of the show a little bit. But we keep talking about how there's been a lot of close quarters fighting. I thought the fact that they managed to have a fight between Sarge and hit. May yeah. in the front seat of a truck and actually make that – it's two people hitting each other – from a foot apart, mm. one of whom, Clark Gregg, isn't really an experienced fighting actor. Mm. I thought it was really well handled. And there were a couple of moments in the episode that I thought popped in a Kevin Tantron kind of way. Yeah. Um, and I would assume that Lou Diamond Phillips, 
he, because like I say, he was in Stargate with the series with Ming Na Wen. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a connection there. And I bet that he probably started directing through that because it's the classic sci-fi series actor gets to direct some episodes thing. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's a background. So I could be completely wrong and he could just be a massively experienced director. But uh, but no, I thought that, I thought it was um, really nicely directed. And, you know, uh, this wasn't a throwing an actor a bone. I think he kind of earned his uh, his chips. Yeah, that absolutely. One. But, uh, should we get into the breakdown? Yep. Go for it. I'm going to take a quick sip of my adult beverage. So we open up on the beach with what we assume is a flashback between May and Coulson. This is, of course, uh, where we left them at the end of season five, Mm -hmm. where they they were going for their kind of um, wake-sex holiday, (laughs) whatever you'd call it, I suppose. (laughs) A really weird combination of things, that. I think it's interesting, but you could justify this, how Coulson suddenly has a shaved head and a bit of stubble, because Sarge does, and obviously it's the same actor playing them. And the, yeah, yeah. And, But you could say that it's just her mind mixing up the two different realities, but well, it was funny. she's sort of flitting in and out. She's drifting and, in and yeah. out. But... Let's be honest, we know why it is. Yeah. It's because that was how, um, you know, it was probably, I think Clark Gregg was probably glad that he wasn't having to wear a hairpiece anymore. Yeah. And he could just be like, yeah, I could just start shaving my head again. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and, uh, and not shaving every day. Um, so, um, so what we see is that Sarge and Co., the famous 70s dance group, have... Um, drugging her to keep her docile, which is probably a good idea, I would say. Um, And he says to her, I'm going to turn you. Now, obviously, it's one of those things where there's a point in this episode where, later in this episode, where we do start to see um, Sarge's motivations and that maybe they're not as purely nefarious as we initially thought. Yeah. But I think it's funny that TV shows do this thing where um, when we realise that that's the case, mm. they suddenly start acting nicer, whereas when they were misunderstanding but they're evil, they're doing things in a really evil way. Yeah. Like he's like, what he obviously means is we, we, we want to show you what, what the truth of the situation is. is. But yeah. he's like, we are going to turn you. Yeah. Don't forget to die. You know, but it's... Yeah. But, it, but I mean, I understand why that is because they want the audience, and he he loves the, a bit of drama, old Sarge. Well, though. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, but but the reason for that is obviously the audience perspective has to be the agents of Shield perspective, yeah. And their current perspective is this guy's evil, mm. you know. And maybe he is. I, again, I still can't quite remember. This could all be complete bullshit. Uh, we see Mac sees Yo Yo, um, very briefly, and uh, he tells her that he. Uh, feels that basically he's losing control and that in the past he returned to her, which is kind of unfair. It's like, she's like, well, you know, and she essentially says as much. Um, She calls him out on the fact that she's, she's trying to adhere to his wishes by, you know, not being his person, you know, Um, but he can't expect her to be, his confidant as well. Yeah, and his, his whole thing is that he can't lead 
and have that level of attachment. Well, but, it's like but, breaking up with someone, but then being really pissed off if they move on. Yeah. Like, you can't, you just can't be no, like it, that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, particularly if you um, have a position of authority over them. Yeah. You know, um, and she questions if Benson is up to the job. Um, we, we were cutting, there's a lot of cutting to and forth on this episode. It's quite a tricky one to take notes of in, in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, and again, there's so much information in this episode that taking notes and watching the episode was actually quite challenging. Mm. Um, we see Enoch on uh, the ship with the agents. They're trying to figure out where the bounty hunter might have taken fits. Um, they they try to, they being uh, the, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. crew, that they are Enoch's friends. They're trying to ingratiate him as well because he's fallen into this guilt-ridden funk. Mm. Uh, about what's happened with uh, Fitz, but they need his help. Uh, and this is where, of course, they have to explain to Enoch that he's actually already succeeded in his mission. Yeah. The Earth has survived. So at this point, he's like, well, then in that case, why are the Chronicon Hunters still after mm. him? You know, that doesn't make sense. And, of course, we'll learn that a little bit later why, why that is the case. Mm. We see several ships warp in. Um, we cut back to Sarge wanting to know why people recognise him. Uh, and I think it's interesting as well that, that from Sarge's perspective, he keeps talking about who's this imposter. Mm. You know, so again, it's that idea of point of view well, and given, perspective. Given that he's the one hunting things that aren't supposed to be there, the idea that there's someone who looks exactly like him, he would immediately think, okay, what are they, yeah. you know, what bad thing are they? Well, in the same way that the S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, agents could as well. Yeah. And it, it's a little bit like when there was that other S.H.I.E.L.D., the Edward James mm. Olmo S.H.I.E.L.D., where yeah. it was very much kind of like everything they did seemed kind of bad guy-ish. Mm. But again, it was because they weren't the show. They were they, the other team. Exactly. Yeah. And, and this is, again, this is kind of um, a similar conceit yeah. to that in a lot of ways. We see that it's uh, that it's the same ship that cut Fitz's ship in two, and we're introduced to Atara, the Chronicon. She says that Enoch is being judged for tampering with the universe. And again, this is I've got a lot of notes here around. There's a lot of fringe similarities here. Mm-hmm. But what we do learn is that the Chronicon homeworld has been dis- destroyed, and there's lots of other planets have disappeared as well. And there's some mysterious force at work here. But basically, she wants to understand time travel yeah. in order to be able to go back and rectify it. And the other thing that a lot of this reminds me of is the 2009 Star Trek film, you know, where Romulus is destroyed. Oh, yeah. And they want yeah. to go back in time to take care of all of that. There's a lot of similarities there. And there's a little bit of crossover with some of the creative group people mm-hmm. on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and yeah. modern Star Trek as well. So. It I is thought interesting. You were about to say modern it. family. It's like there's no crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so um, I like the fact that when we see uh, the image of Fitz pop up, uh, Enoch's like bestie. <laughs> 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 uh, but what we see is it's a hologram, and the hunter's got the girl. I just I love how serious he is about it. He has recently become my best friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. Um, I like the fact that when everyone starts kicking off, uh, uh, yeah, Atara shouts, 
for them to behave. Mm. And I can't hear the word behave now. Oh, behave. Without thinking about um, Austin Powers. Yeah. It's, that word is now owned yeah. by Austin Powers. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really tricky one. I love the conversation between Atara and Enoch when he says, I can't believe I ever let you access my data port. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's uh, that's a euphemism right yeah, there, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Um, great. We see Sarge talking to May again about who his imposter, as he sees it, uh, and he says, did you kill him? And, she, and then when she doesn't reply, he says, oh, the other thing, which is, gives us the title of the yeah. episode. And it's a line, one of several lines that we see the other, quote, real version of Colson used in his conversation with May. There's this weird... So what the impression that we're getting here is that there's more at work than just a being a doppelganger mm. for some um, confluence yeah. of things going on here. At least that's what I took from it. Yeah. Um, he wants to know who the imposter was. Uh, you know, he sees him... The original Coulson is the fake. Mm. But May's like, well, you know, who the hell are you? Yeah. Um, we get a bit more beach, May and Coulson as well. And this is where, you know, she And says, those kind of, um, you know, interludes are quite nice because it sort of fleshes out uh, between yeah, of, season five and six. Yeah, it's a bit of stuff that we missed. Yeah. Uh, and she says to him, this is May talking to the real Coulson in the flashback, uh, when he looks a bit sort of... Uh, soporific she says too much wine he says no it's the other thing again so mm. that's the echo of the line uh, and then we see um sarge's crew and may and they're in a room with her they shoot a guy in the head and lock her in the room with him uh, and basically what we see is that they want her to have to deal with the, the, the nightmare bats coming quite, out of the mouth quite nice sort of um zombie style fighting from well he does the spider walk doesn't he yeah Where he's yeah it's really good like they obviously hired some kind of Performer, <laughs> yeah, yeah. some contortionist or something. So yeah. they have a fight. Like there's some nice direction, Dutch angles. Uh, don't snigger. I know you can't take. You always, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, really good use of space and framing in this episode. Mm. Uh, she stabs him. Uh, we cut back over to uh, Mac speaking to Benson. Um, Enoch tries to reason with Atara, and uh, she feels that Earth has made him soft, and he thinks it's for the better. It's funny because. Partly because of what the actor looks like, but obviously partly because of the characterization. I've made a lot of comparisons to Mr. Spock, but really, he's data. He is data. You know, yeah. I mean, particularly now, he's starting to not only take on the attributes of humans, but kind of celebrate Explore them. Explore humanity. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's totally yeah. data in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, th- for basically, he suggests that they put Gemma in danger to motivate Fitz to help them figure out the time travel mystery. Yeah. And although it's a dick move on his part, he he sees it as a way to keep his best friend from being executed. Yeah. And also in the moment, the situation's escalating. They're all about to be killed. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and also that, what, what It does, does make sense what he's trying to do. Well, it works. It makes sense on several levels because it means that they'll, they'll probably have, they'll have no need for, for um, Daisy and her crew. So they'll be safe. Mm. It's buying a bit of time. Um, there might be some selfish element of like him actually wanting his home planet to be saved yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and he also thinks that it might work. Um, you know, so and the situation's escalating really quickly. So there's no it's the best 
decision to make at the time. Yeah. Also, as well, the other the other reason why it's a good idea is that it, it makes, and even Daisy realizes this in the scene, it makes Fitz um, indispensable. Mm. So as soon as Daisy realizes that, she's like, oh, "I can start quaking now because I'm going to kill him." Yeah. You know, we only have to worry about us in this actual direct yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, we see Benson tell Yo-Yo about the death of his husband. It's interesting that they've made Benson a gay character because you see, you were seeing a lot of this at the time where you'd have characters who, in television and film, would very casually mention that they had a husband or a wife or you know a same-sex partner. I remember at the time that was controversial because a lot of people felt that that was tokenism. Like the scene in... Um, Avengers Endgame, you know, where um, Steve Rogers is at that kind of survivors meeting at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And that it one is. guy, one of the ones played by one of the directors. One of the and I think players. a little bit of the controversy around that is fact, was the fact that he was a heterosexual director. And there's that whole, should mm. you heterosexual people be allowed to play gay people? And mm. there's always all of that. But I think that there's a fe- there was a feeling at the time that whilst it's nice to see this normalisation, it's kind of the easy, not having to show people being gay kind of option. Mm. And that's one of those ones where I can totally see both sides of that. You know, yeah, I, I get that that's not enough, but at the same, and if that's the only thing that they're doing, but at the same time, it's nice to just see people throw that out there in conversation. Mm. Um, in but, a norm, more normalised way. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's happens not flagged that, up as, as this is something of significance of his character. Yeah. It just is yeah. a part of his life. And, you know, it's we've come a long way in just the last three or four years. Mm. Um, so there is an element of, you know, network TV is always going to be that little bit slower. So, you know, maybe they could, they, could, they could be doing more, but I don't blame the show. I blame the fact that this was on a network that has advertising mm. uh, and that they are slower to do those kind of things. So... Yeah, it's a tricky one, but I wanted to make mention of it because it is mm. there and, um, you know, they didn't need to do that and they mm. did and I think that's cool. So what we see is that there's a crystalline structure uh, within these these creatures and then we learn between the post-mortem and cutting back to uh, the sort of the exposition dump from Sarge that they're called the Shrike uh, and that they're a primal force that planet hop and just mess stuff up. Mm. Um, so May's like, oh, okay, so you just did all of this, you engineered this little drama to prove a point. Is it around here we find out why they're converging on the ley lines? Or is that like... Yeah, yeah, well, it's all... It's all yeah. yeah. I wouldn't worry about I mean, chronology it sort of makes, makes a bit more sense of why there's that pattern happening. Yes. That they're going to these various places because they're going to basically blow Earth up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But uh, And crucially as well, we learned <laughs> that Sarge and, and co's um, mission is to stop them. Yeah. And basically they go after anything that comes from another world, and that's why they went after Deke. Yeah. Because Deke was sort of a red flag. Mm. Um, and, and what we, we, we learned back at S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ is that these things have a relationship with the monoliths, but these ones control life and death. Mm. So they talk about the death of everything is coming, and Sarge mentions that they have a creator. So basically, the mystery here now is who's the kind of the brain, the brains behind the operation, yeah, so to speak. Um, because we know it's not the Confederacy, yes. Um, yeah. Given that um, the Chronicoms, you know, 
took their ship. And it's a pretty safe bet that the villain of the season isn't going to be a bunch of CGI bats. Well, the, you know. the Confederacy as well are like scavengers. They kind of pick over the remains. Yeah, they're, they're like the Orion Syndicate in Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, or like the like the underworld in Star Wars. Like yeah. Every grand sci-fi universe has the equivalent of space pirates. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, we learn that Sarge is 100. And this is, we get the line of every dream is someone else's nightmare repeated as well. And this is where we see May being like, what did you say? So she's starting to go, okay, this isn't just a, they've got the same face thing. There's yeah, some, there's, there's some correlation between yes, the two Yes, that's them. a good way of putting it. Gemma says that she will go and help Fitz. And I love, I love the fact that she's like, you know, guys, look, I want you to be able to go home now. But my lady is, she just wants to see her boo. You know, there's an yeah. element of, she's it's come good. this far. Uh, she just wants to, you know. Well, that that was her ultimate goal, was yes. to reunite himself, himself, herself with Fitz. And also, they do work very well together, obviously. Yeah. So there is yeah. an element of... Um, I Maybe thought, if she is with him, they can figure it out and get I out of this mess. I love how Chloe Bennett plays the sort of trying not to cry and trying to be quite stoic. Oh yeah, she does. She's she, she's like Sarah Michelle Gellar. She gives really good glass, so immediate concern on the glass eye kind mm, of uh, thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I thought she did a great job there. But the character justification is that she says that um, she doesn't want to put them in danger anymore. Mm. This is Gemma. Uh, so she, basically, she says, thank you, go home. Mm. And they lead her off. Uh, we see May talk to Snowflake, the uh, the crazy girl, mm. and antagonises her. Then nuts her. That's quite satisfying, isn't it? It is, yeah. Just like, there's nothing more dismissive yeah. than Shut a Shut up, you butterfly-loving psychopath. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I like the fact that she's been all playful, um, the, the Snowflake character. But as soon as May pushes back, she stops. And it's kind of like, ah, dish it out, but you can't take it, can yeah. you? You know? And um, and this is where we get the the extremely close quarter fight with Sarge and May in the front seat of the evil Knight Rider truck, mm. and she knocks him out. and And it's interesting that she does replace she knock. That uh, could be Enoch's wife. What's that? She knock. She knock. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. T- t- together, they're we knock. <laughs> That's their couple name. <laughs> it's he knock. She knock. <laughs> and we knock. <laughs> yeah. And then when they have a baby, it's little uh, mini me knock. No, no, no. <laughs> no, the baby could be we knock. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good <laughs> idea. Um, so um, she takes the trick. It is interesting though that she she sort of places his hand on his lap in the same way mm. that she does with um, Coulson. With Coulson, mm. and it's odd. It's like he's that, but he's got through to her, and she's like, or is it just that she can't quite? She can't quite divorce the two. Um, yeah. But also she, she goes to town on him when they fight. And it yeah, was almost yeah. as though maybe she's got something out of her she's system. She's trying to smack the Coulson off his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So she takes her truck. Oh, yeah. And we see that Benson goes to Mac because he wants to go where the um, monolith was found mm-hmm. originally. Uh, and then Mac and co hear from Zephyr Wap and there's a reunion. Uh, and Hannah's very happy. And May says, uh, sorry, we get the word that May has caught him. And this is where we see Daisy say, caught who? Mm. Um, And the episode ends. The bumper scene is Enoch going into Fitz's cell, explains what happens, and then mysteriously gasses him. 
for some nefarious purpose. So, Hannah, uh, before we talk about what we're going to be covering next time, uh, anything further to add about the other thing? Um, no, just loved it. I thought it was a fantastic episode. Um, loved uh, how it moved the story along and just can't wait to get into more. Agreed. Good stuff. Uh, quick reminder that we appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com or leave comments on the YouTube channel or interact with us on Instagram or Twitter where we are at rewatchproj. That's rewatch. P-R-O-J. Check out our friend shows, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify reviews are also appreciated. So, Hannah, what are we talking about next time? I'm excited for this episode. It is called Inescapable. Plot synopsis says, Fitz and Simmons have fought through space, time, and alternate realities to find each other, and now, closer than ever, only their own demons can stop their mission. It is directed by Jesse Bochco and it is written by DJ Doyle. Good stuff. Okay. We will look forward to that. And we will see you then. Goodbye. Bye bye. (laughs) 